thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the wholesome box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Movement Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness from Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And uh, welcome to your lockdown edition of Wellness Women Radio, the podcast tonight. So, um, you know, depending on when you're actually listening to this episode, Ashley and I are, you know, in five-day lockdown, five lockdown in Perth. Um, so we've had an interesting week. Uh, Ash, how are you doing over there? Yeah, good. We're lucky. We live in Scarborough. So when they tell us we can exercise within 5Ks, that just means I can go to the beach every day. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, when they said that, I was looking at my, my map and I'm like, yeah, yeah, the beach is well within that radius for me. So I'm like, we're lucky. We're fine. Um, and we've got like so many beautiful um, little walks and stuff around us. So um, yeah, we're pretty lucky in that sense, but it's super weird. I don't mind the slower pace of life though, I have to admit. Um, uh, I will say that it's, it is good to the most part. I think uh, there's a lot of benefits, but, um, yeah, lockdowns aren't fun regardless. I think it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's um, just a kind of restriction of your freedoms and liberties, which can be quite hard to handle. I know that's often for the greater good, but, you know, we have our, <laughs> have our challenges when we're told to uh, lock down and close our businesses for five days for one single case that's had no further transmission. So, you know Especially what? when we're an essential health service and we know yeah. that um, the work that we do directly takes pressure off Um, you know, the mainstream medical and hospital systems. And through the height of the pandemic last year, we were encouraged to stay open the entire time for that reason. And then all of a sudden, Mm. a snap decision and um, and we're closed. And yes, I understand it is only five days, but 
it's just so weird having no no choice, no say, no freedom. Yeah, um, absolutely. So for all of those, uh, you know, of you listening who've been in similar experiences or your own businesses are affected, uh, yeah, we don't all get out unscathed. You know, even uh, us as health professionals have been touched by this in uh, a direct way that we can't interact with our clients and help the people who really need it. So I think that is something to get. I think if I had anything this week that's really bothered me, it's that. I kept thinking about people, you know, on the cusp of um, birthing, you know, their their late pregnancy or they've got pain problems, direct pain problems you know you can help with and their only option is to just kind of lump it and deal with it because they can't take painkillers and stuff like that or don't want to. I mean, why should we be forced to take painkillers if it's never part of our lifestyle and then uh, we're restricted? So that's our little rant for today. There's so much more stuff in the world to, to be worried about, but um, I think, you know, I'll be very, very grateful when we can get back, put our hands on our clients and, and do the great work that we we do so well i know and also just you know see our girlfriends and our loved ones and and everyone again um you know in an unrestricted fashion would be quite nice uh so anyway that's just what's happening in our lives um listeners so thanks for joining us (laughs) with that but i've totally digressed so let's change tunes and actually get on to um the super interesting topic that we're going to talk about tonight and actually i have to say that when you um floated this uh podcast topic to me i was like what but now I'm kind of really into it. Um, So tonight we are talking about leaky skin syndrome. So Asha, take it away. Why did you want to cover this? Oh, look, I think there's so much hype and discussion about leaky gut syndrome. So most of you listening will know we've covered this quite a few times. We often reference it. We talk about, you know, so many of our, I guess, gut health concerns related to this leaky gut concept, which, you know, occasionally still gets challenged as a concept at all. But for all purposes in our clinical experience is that when you heal the gut, you really do heal someone's life. Um, But they're talking about as well something called leaky skin syndrome, which is also the fact that the gut and the skin are bi-directional in their function, meaning that the gut can affect the skin, but the skin can also affect the gut. And so um, that's a really interesting concept because I was just reading a, a newish paper published December last year, and I was just talking about something that they termed, uh, what's it called here? Oh, here I am, just for citing something, I've just lost the page in front of me. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> you do a great story. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes sometimes when you're like, you've got so many pages open, you're like, oh my gosh, cool, cool, there's all this interesting <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, they call it the skin interactome model. And uh, what this is all about is the concept now this, talking about aging and anti-aging processes, but it still ties into the gut, skin, brain axis. Um, And this is, you know, related to things like our genome, you know, age and gender, um, coupled with our innate or a natural microbial ecosystem, you know, our microbiome, um, and also coupled with the external lifestyle factors, our ex- Bosome, which you know is a new word to me. I was like the exposome. Have I heard that word before? Yeah. Um, and that was like, oh wow, cool. So they call the exposome is all that external stuff that affects us, you know, on the skin level, which is really really interesting. Um, yeah, and just diving diving a bit deeper into each of those things and how that affects our skin um, in ways that can create such a thing as this leaky skin syndrome, and of course that consequence, that flow and effect, you know, permeability issue that then relates to the gut dysfunction. So. Um, yeah, that's why I wanted to have a chat because, I mean, how many people are having issues with skin, you know, whether it be breakouts, psoriasis, eczema, acne, you know, uh, cysts, yeah, yeah. The, the works. It's such a common issue and most people are getting told to, you know, heal their gut in those circumstances. I think a lot of people with chronic or um, even acute flare-up skin conditions know that, you know, it's quite common knowledge that we have a chat about 
how's your gut? You know, what's, yeah. what gut signs and symptoms are there? Often discussion about probiotics and probiotic use. Yeah. Um, and if but, they're not having those conversations, they should be. Yes, absolutely. And I think if that's, you know, before someone's put on uh, the contraceptive pill or put on any, you know, medication specifically for their skin, I'd like to think we're having discussions about, um, you know, diet and environment before we, we start medicating. So, you're yeah, right. Can I just um, digress or, or segue oh, into no. something um, a little bit quickly? Because you talked about medication for skin problems. And I've recently just been reading a lot of research um, around the use of uh, isotrenin and I'm might have pronounced that incorrectly but essentially the brand name for that is roaccutane um and that's a hugely popular um obviously acne medication that's used through teenagers and adulthood um and is so common like i've lost count of how many of my patients uh have either tried or are currently on roaccutane and there's a huge concern around the very um disturbing mental health issues that come that arise as a side effect from maracatane use, um, including like suicidal tendencies, depression and anxiety, and also thyroid dysfunction as well. Um, and that's very well documented to the point where um, I think in the UK they're doing a full sort of recall or review of this medication um, because of its psychiatric um, and the sexual dysfunction that's involved with that as well because of it, how it does affect hormonal balance too. Um, and I think mm. that's interesting. So that was a total segue out of what we're talking about no. tonight, but still relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this whole idea, isn't it? We, we talk about healing from the inside out. Um, interestingly, you know, today, whilst it's inside out, it's actually also outside in um, because, you know, healthy skin is known to produce this great barrier. So it's our natural biofilm and it's created by a combination of things like sebum, uh, cellular lipids. We've got natural sort of factors on the skin, including bugs, bacteria, microbes, viruses, even living on our skin. So everyone who's, you know, freaking out about viruses and bacteria, guess what? They live on us all day, every day. It's part of our, our innate microbiome, including our skin. Um, and even things like perspiration add to that natural barrier, mm. that biofilm that helps to um, repel harmful bugs, bacteria, virus, fungi, anything that could potentially alter our, our health. So, um, you know, it's super important. It's a place where all those little bugs and bacteria flourish and they play. So it's, you know, it is a, a playground out there. Um, so a lot of people don't think about that outside-in approach, that our, our skin is an incredibly important organ, um, largest, you know, organ of respiration in the body in the sense that we, we bring things in and out of that tissue um, all day, every day. So, you know, super interesting because usually we're talking about skin issues in relation to the gut, but there's also now some conversations about the gut being secondary to the skin issue. You know, the mm. fact that we're altering our external um, environmental protector, the, the skin barrier, um, in such a way that it's actually exposing our gut microbiome to, to damage and to harm mm. and leaving it more susceptible to dysbiosis. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a really interesting you know spin i think a lot of people have gone so far down the research pathway but they're now just turning it back a bit and saying hang on but what about the external environment affecting it and this bi-directional communication we now know about um yeah. so that's, oh yeah, that's, that's so cool to chat about. 
I love that yeah. you um, were talking about how uh, the, the actual skin microbiome, like it, it does differ with, you know, age and gender and hormones and all of those sorts of things. And I would hope that my maybe skin microbiome is a bit different to like a, a sweaty, like teenage boys, my <laughs> microbiome, <laughs> they're, you know, they're externalized. And um, obviously there's the skin um, microflora population is quite different to the gut. Um, so if you think of, you know, the gut population is so dense with um you know all sorts of different um you know species and everything else whereas on the skin that they're estimating about and ash correct me if um if i'm wrong if this has been your reading as well that there's about a thousand different bacterial species on the skin that they've detected so far and probably about 80 different fungi as well so it doesn't have quite the diversity of the gut but it still is a hugely um you know intricate microbial population and when um when you were sort of talking about um, the leaky skin syndrome, I took it very literally and I was like, okay, so if we've got, um, you know, obviously our skin layer is our largest and, and most visible organ as well. Um, and it creates like this barrier, this sealant from the outside in. And part of the role of the skin is to also be um, you know, that first line of defense literally against, you know, pathogens in the outside environment. And um, it's, you know, a huge, has a huge role in our immune function as well. So knowing, um, knowing that, what sort of things would create or would fail when we have, say, leaky skin? Um, and it sounds so funny to sort of put it that way. And then I was thinking, okay, so if we've got changes in that microbial population and we know that they go really deep, into the skin layers as well. So they don't just float around on the top. So if you wash your hands, um, yes, that's certainly going to be disrupting some of that, but we should be washing our hands. Um, but it actually extends all the way down into the subdermal fat layer, which means that that my microbial population communicates directly with the immune system, which makes sense as well, because that is our first step or our first line in our defense system. So that's our skin being exposed to our external environment, taking that, communicating that into our immune system, which is obviously communicating directly with and houses or the gut houses most of that in there. Um, so if there are changes in three key things in our actual skin layers, um, then we're much more prone to some of those skin conditions that we talked about before. And the three things um, that I thought of that would change is that lipid layer, but also all of the collagen in the skin as well, and also our own um, hyaluronic acid. And people might think of hyaluronic acid serum as being something that you buy off a shelf to put onto your skin, but it is actually naturally occurring in our skin. And this is what gives it that elasticity, that plumpness. Um, that is what uh, also protects that microbial population as well. So when that's compromised, that's when we're so much more prone to, you know, the allergens and the irritants. Um, and we could then theorize that that is also um, making us more prone to eczema, dermatitis, acne, and everything else that sort of goes along um, down that chain. So I, I certainly took this very literally and was like, okay, what's causing leaky skin? <laughs> Yeah, and it's such a great question to ask. And, you know, one of the big factors, obviously, is environmental. There was a um, really interesting reference to some Asian studies um, where they reviewed, you know, a population with high levels of airborne pollutants and prevalence of acne. And they found mm. that it was absolutely associated with an increased um, actually, actually 
acne related concerns. So where there was levels of high, you know, airborne pollutants, there was also more concerns regarding acne. And, you know, you can surmise that idea that, of course, you know, airborne pollutants contain a variety of different contaminants um, Mm -hmm. possibly there. And, you know, of course, if that's a, a barrier designed to prevent us from getting sick, then keeping those pollutants external is one of the main aims of the body right so mm. you know of course acne is a way to push things out you know hence the reason uh, pustula and all those things that no one wants but yeah. it is a way of keeping you know problematic contents out of the internal layers of the body um so that was a really interesting one now that's not an easy solution is it like how do you fix high levels of industrial airborne pollutants if you know you're living in a city like that so um obviously that didn't you know, impact on solution, but it was just again a great reference to this idea that our body is not stupid, dumb, and broken. Um, it yes. doesn't do these things accidentally. And I think to understand that you know there is a link between pollution and acne, that's that's fascinating. And that study um, was as early. Well, we've got this one from the Journal of European Academy of Dermatology, and that's 2018. So it's not that long ago that they were again reviewing the influence um, of environment on acne and skin conditions. So. It's good that they're still thinking about, you know, how do we heal the body, but it's not always about just putting stuff in, right? Uh, Ash, have you um, – do you watch Sex in the City or have you ever watched Sex in the City? <laughs> Never. Um, I'm <laughs> the only woman on the planet who hasn't. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. What you were talking about, about the, the heavy environmental pollutants and the acne, made me think yeah. of this episode of Sex in the City where Carrie Bradshaw, obviously she lives in New York City and she talks about coming home and washing – um, washing the city off her face and I've certainly experienced that in New York you you feel almost like this grimy layer sort of build up and um, yeah that just reminded me of that so um, shout out to any of you Sex and the City fans I wonder if you'll um, recognize the line that I'm talking about there but <laughs> um, I also uh, I saw um, there was a, another paper that was talking about um, if we have this deficient skin barrier or um, like the function of the skin barrier isn't working as well as what it should be it leads to you know higher penetration penetration of all of the allergens through the skin um, which dramatically increases our risk of atopic dermatitis as well and um, you know I think sometimes dermatitis is a little bit of an umbrella term for all sorts of different um, sort of skin conditions that we see Uh, but it's just interesting that um, this this barrier similar to and we can use the parallel between the gut barrier as well and I think that we've talked about in some of our um, other podcasts where we've been talking about acne and everything else where the skin is is almost contiguous with the gut or and vice versa and it's almost like the inside out layer um, of things and I think that we can almost think about them operating in a really similar way and I do think that they're also very affected by similar things as well. Um, so the things that promote health in our gut also promotes health on our skin. And funnily enough, the skin microbiome industry is a half billion dollar a year industry in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine what it's worth now. Um, and that's just the skin microbiome industry. So I think that, um, you know, obviously cosmetic industry and um, dermatologists and everyone may be catching on to the fact that this skin microbiome is so important for not only our skin but our internal health as well and how can they capitalise on that? 
Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that thing of what affects the gut affects the skin and vice versa. Um, let's talk about some of those things that does, because then at least we get a, you know, an idea of what uh, we might have influence on and how we can improve our skin um, mm. if we can alter some of the things that caused damage to the skin microbiome. Um, you know, my first one I found really interesting was looking at stress. A lot of us think mm. about stress as something that affects us mentally, emotionally, it affects us. Often we'll talk about sleep, you know, issues when we're stressed. We'll talk about food and our food consumption, certainly that's one element of it. But what a lot of people don't know is that stress actually alters um, our skin pH. Mm. And this, yeah, and so this occurs because lactic acid-producing bacteria such as Lactobacillus and Lactococcus are increased with stress, and as a consequence, um, it decreases skin pH, and of course, then alters our skin. Hence, the reason you know the leaky skin concept. Um, so that was a really interesting one because it obviously changes things. Like it relates to redness in the skin. You know, yeah. when you think about lactic acid and pH, we're going to have you know increase in redness in the skin. We're going to have issues with pH. We're going to have issues with blemishes and breakouts, just as a stress response, um, directly related to a simple change in the relationship and the quantity of those like native lactobacillus and lactococcus mm. um, strains. That's really, really interesting. I don't know why that surprises me because it does the same thing in the gut, right? Um, and that increased cortisol production when obviously we're under a lot of stress does have a damaging effect to those three things that we talked about before. So the lipid layer, the um, collagen production and everything else. Mm. Um, yeah, of course that makes sense. Um, and I don't think that that's a coincidence because – so many times when we're looking at, um, you know, symptoms and chronic health problems, looking at and managing stress is always, always key um, for yeah. everybody. Um, another thing that comes to mind is certainly very relevant for our current, um, you know, state of the world, and that is um, the overuse of antimicrobials um, and certainly yep. antibiotics. And um, within sort of the, the medical population, they're theorizing that, um, you know, the next generation of children may not be able to use antibiotics because of the overuse, you know, maybe during our sort of generation. And mm. um, certainly we've been using so many more hand sanitizers um, and antimicrobial agents um, like worldwide because of the obviously the COVID outbreak. Um, but I'm also wondering that with that is um, like a systemic increase in those skin conditions like um, dermatitis, psoriasis, um, eczema and everything else. Like I would love to see some stats on that because I'm sure that there's a correlation. Absolutely. I think, you know, given that that's one of the key concerns of parents and families today is will my child have allergies um, yes. because of the increasing rates, um, dramatically increasing rates of childhood allergies, um, including skin conditions. So to consider the idea that, um, you know, familial use, you know, parental use of antibiotics could affect uh, fetal development plus, you know, change genetically mm -hmm. the, the child's outcomes. That's really, really interesting. I would have to put my money in that that hat for sure. You know, I just think that that cannot be um, something that would be overlooked in the system of how we research and look at skin conditions. You have to be starting to look at parents. You know, you have to be thinking, mm -hmm. do the parents consume X, Y, Z? How much have they had? What's this child's likelihood of um, resilience, resistance, any of those sorts of things? So, yeah, I just all the stuff we read, you'd have to be an absolute correlation and connection there as well, if not saying causation, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, damaged microbiomes um, are what's being inherited from our parents. <laughs> Sad to say it, mums. It's so such a big uh, stress 
<laughs> it's such yeah, a terrible thing to say, but I had the like the weight of the world on my shoulders, thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know, if either myself or Pete have you know really mucked up microbiome at the time of conception, like I might be passing this genetic profile onto my child." Um, no pressure, parents. Don't worry. <laughs> I know I, you've got so much to worry about already, and uh, I'm sure that that is like one of the biggest things that that parents always worry about is like, how can I not stuff up my kids? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think um, if we can get this right, this is a really important part. You know, this is a really profound part of health and well-being if we can get stuff like our microbiome which is a, a major player in our lifetime health then it's a pretty good start to life if we can can work on that front first so yeah i do do think this is a very important area for um health and development of children's uh through all the way through adolescence i think a lot of teenagers have a really stuffed up microbiome which is why they suffer more you know through that premenstrual and you know puberty period through lots of different layers mentally emotionally because we talk about the gut skin brain axis mm-hmm. um yeah I think it definitely plays a part. And so there's a couple of things that you've mentioned there that I think it's important to sort of talk about. So we we started there mentioning, um, you know, antibiotic use, antimicrobials, uh, killing off that normal um, or that, that healthy um, symbiotic microbial population that we have. So how do we affect that? And, yes, we can use um, topical probiotics because they, they have those now. Um, and that, that is actually a thing. I also love the idea of just getting our hands dirty (laughs) and, you know, getting our hands in the soil, um, in the dirt and, you know, just being in the garden or planting foods and all of those sorts of things. But we need to step back from that and actually think about the very first, um, exposure that we do have to a microbial, microbial population. And that is with the birth process. And I think that we probably need to do a separate episode on obviously the, um, and not judging anybody, but obviously the, the vaginal birth um, versus C-section, just what the differences are there. And, you know, I was a C-section birth um, and, you know, growing up we had um, asthma, we had all sorts of different things. And obviously there's like a really strong prevalence of autoimmune conditions in my family as well. And I'm not blaming my mum for that at all. Um, but I just wonder if that is something that is to be considered as well, um, which you know, there's very compelling evidence to um, now think that, that that certainly is. So, um, yes, getting your hands dirty, thinking about birthing processes. Birthing processes is not the right word, but um, just, you know, that, that kind of thing. Ashley can take over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's always a touchy subject, isn't it? Because we've worked yes. with so many mums and both of us, you know, Andrew and myself, both feel the same way. We always want to come across non-judgmental because we really aren't. You know, how you birth your child yeah. is completely your choice. Um, however, as long we do as have, it is your choice though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas some women opt, you know, for the choices they make and that's that's amazing. And then even if it's not your choice, sometimes the guilt associated with the lack of choice or the lack of opportunity to do it the way you want to. Um, so we very often touch and tread gently around this subject because you never want to make someone feel bad, right? Like it's no. not – it's not a situation you often have control over. But once you have the evidence, once you have compelling evidence to show that there is a better way, um, it's really important to sort of consider, okay, if these are my options and, you know, we're talking about the delivery process um, and I hate to say delivery because it sounds so medicalized. Let's just talk about birth. Birth is <laughs> that idea that a woman gives birth, not uh, medically delivered and pulled out from your body. Um, but, yes, you know, birthing a baby, you know, vaginally uh, birthing a child is – absolutely setting a foundation um, of the microbiome, which is, you know, critical for 
growth development and lots of other reasons that we'd want to do that, um, which is why, you know, they talk about vaginal col colonies and how mm -hmm. we can, um, you know, inoculate our child, you know, cover them in uh, vaginal secretions <laughs> after birth mm -hmm. if they weren't vaginally birthed. I mean, there's just lots of discussions about this because we do realise the importance of that connection. I mean, it's even just things like the vaginal birth proximity to the anus, you know, microbo mm -hmm. microbes that come from the anus and how they will cross over and mix, you know, as that delivery occurs. I mean, that's fascinating. Mm. Um, it's a pretty gross thing to think about. You, you know, you get covered in vaginal, vaginal secretions and poo at birth, but, hey, Just don't think too it. much about it. Just go, okay, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's all right. It was, it was needed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, and then we talk back to that thing of how do we get to that point of leaky skin? You know, how do we get to that leaky skin syndrome? And uh, I think we can't avoid a conversation without talking about how a child was born uh, because that definitely plays a role in the future you know, microbiome, totally. skin uh, microbiome. I love how we like segue into all of these sorts of things and like just I really know, right? basic fundamental health principles. Um, yeah. So look, I think, you know, how do we break this up into pieces? Because it's such a, sometimes it's a bit hard. We, You and I, our brains go a million miles an hour. And I was trying to think, <laughs> how do we break this up into pieces when someone's listening going, okay, so that's all really good information, but how does that apply to me? How can, you know, I fix my skin barrier if that's yes. a problem and how do I, you know, create a healthier inside and outside, you know, because my mm -hmm. outside health affects my inside and vice versa because these ladies have just talked about this bi-directional pathway of communication between the skin and the gut mm -hmm. um, and then throw the brain in there and you've got a really big triangle there to think about. But let's just talk about, you know, how we can actually influence that. So let's break it into a couple of pieces, the things you have control and don't have control. Um, mm -hmm. So we've got, you know, on one part we've got microbiome. And microbiome relates to the skin and to the gut. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this, um, again, is talking about do we have a diet and lifestyle that supports, you know, healthy microbiome? Mm. Um, are we having appropriate amounts of plant-based fibres? You know, are we getting whole organic foods not covered in pesticides and herbicides that mm -hmm. damage um, our microbiome? Is our skin exposed to, you know, things around us, chemicals in the environment and things like that? Now, that's where we cross over into the um, exposome. But, again, that outside-in, inside-out concept, mm -hmm. um, what, what are we looking at? So let's talk about some of the things that affect the skin because we, we've said, you know, there's the microbiome, that's the inside-out stuff. Let's talk about the outside-in stuff. So let's talk about stuff that affects the skin from the outside that you may have control over. Um, one, sunlight you know, direct relationship between damaging UVB lights. Um, this is, you know, radiation exposure, damage to skin cells and the effect that has. Now, interesting, a recent study as late as December last year, and I'll pull it up because I was just like, oh, stop that. That is so cool, um, was talking about how UVB exposure modulates and changes the gut microbiome. Um, possibly so or not, negatively. Negatively, so it's not just talking about damaging, you know, skin cells on the external environment. Um, it's talking about how that modulates and changes the internal environment, and the microbiome, as a consequence, um, which was fascinating. So, you know, and that's, that's from the UVB. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, wow, that's really interesting because you don't often think of, say, for example, getting skin damage, sunburn, um, any of that stuff and thinking that that's damaging your gut. Yeah, exactly. You know, because we're all told that getting um, sunlight is good because of vitamin D production and the immune system function, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you know, do the benefits outweigh the the negatives? Um, obviously, the, you know, I'm still a big believer we do need appropriate levels of skin exposure so we can, um, you know, harness yeah. the sun's power but at the same time it's showing that there's a damaging effect and it goes beyond the skin it goes into the gut as well mm, so that's okay. really cool 
Yeah, really interesting. While we're outside having safe Mm. sun exposure, getting sweaty and exercising has been shown to be both beneficial for um, the skin microbiome but the gut microbiome as well. And I think it's also um, it's not a coincidence that the things that are beneficial for the skin are also beneficial for the gut as well. Um, so we know that um, exercise, particularly exercise outside um, in nature, helps to promote greater diversity for both of those environments. And also getting a bit sweaty as well helps to encourage more diversity um as well which you would think uh is the opposite but i think that's pretty amazing I yeah just, really cool i guess except, if you're sweating on you... other people um <laughs> well they talk about the um microbiome diversity in rugby players there's been a big study on that and it was um looking at the the cross pollination right. so, because they're hot sweaty and you know tackling each other and sliding all over each other all the time which is you know really just man sport isn't it yeah. um they had increased diversity um can be positive and negative depending on the quality of health of the team. Now that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a player. But on the flip side of the exercise, right, if you're running around in a highly um, polluted city, you know, with airborne contaminants, then that's the negative on mm-hmm. the, the health of skin and the gut there. So, again, industrial pollution, you know, high levels of airborne toxins, um, chemical exposure, these all have a direct relationship to, you know, damage to the biofilm and the, the skin barrier, um, yeah. which then obviously consequentially creates that leaky skin syndrome. Um, and the other one too, you know, thinking about when we do our regeneration, repair, recovery, and they're starting to look at some associations with sleep, lack of mm. sleep, lack of quality yes. sleep, you know, diminished yes. sleep um, and the consequence that has on hormones and, you know, growth hormone, anything that could influence or include repair processes in the body so if you can't repair and replenish that biofilm and repair um, the body inside out then of course you're not going to have a a quality outside in so they were yeah yeah, looking at sleep exposure sleep efficiency um, and its connection to you know skin barrier damage and we know that even just partial sleep deprivation um, which means that poor quality sleep for about two nights in a row dramatically decreases the microbial um, diversity in our gut. So I'm assuming that that also can be carried forward um, from the skin as well because, you know, obviously that that skin-gut axis as well. Um, Mm. Ash, I try and obviously bring dogs into every single podcast that we have, just, you know, from any kind of roundabout way. But I wholeheartedly think that having pets is good for your immune system and your microbiota Um, and I reckon and I haven't seen any studies that support this but this is uh, just my opinion I reckon having pets um, is just really good for your microbial population well that's not just your thought there's there's plenty of studies on that they talk about um, children who come from large families and are exposed to animals um, have greater microbial diversity so Yes, that's uh, that is research that is evidenced, and it does indicate that getting dirty, you know, having a dog lick you, and then you passing those, you know, bugs into your own mouth and body, actually has benefits. Um, so, and they outweigh the negatives in terms of our gut health. So, well, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Not to say they can't share parasites and all the other nut- yucky things, but you know, a healthy dog, <laughs> healthy human. I'm sure they go hand in hand as well. Absolutely, and then of course, um, which you've already touched on, Ash, that is that whole food nutrition, making. Sure that you're prioritizing foods that um, encourage um, diversity, um, you know, really good pre and probiotic foods. Um, as I said before, getting in the dirt, topical probiotics, if that is appropriate for you, and always controlling the stress. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to that list, Ash? Um, 
and expectations around skin. I smiled because I was reading a few papers that were talking about things like wrinkles and skin damage. Um, unfortunately, Caucasian genetics are more prone to uh, to wrinkles at an earlier stage and age. So, mm-hmm. yeah, don't I know it? <laughs> um, so yeah, unfortunately, uh, we we just Caucasian skin has a, a higher prevalence of uh, you know damage to UV and all things like that. So mm-hmm. just realizing some of the things you don't have control of, there is genetic variations which we cannot control. So uh, whether your Caucasian, you know, or Asian skin does actually make a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. We'll just age gracefully. Yes. Well, you know, we yeah. don't really have a choice. <laughs> uh, and we are, we will definitely do a podcast on aging as well at some point, ladies. So um, stay mm. tuned for that. Absolutely. And of course, um, you know, age and gender play a role in this as well. Um, found it really interesting. The areas of highest microbial diversity on the skin is actually the scalp and the forearms. Um, oh. and of course, our sebum changes from obviously, you know, our preteens to our puberty to post and all the rest. So that mm. does change skin pH and it changes the micro, uh, microbial environment as well. So, you know, just realizing there is uh, changes related to, to age uh, as part of our natural, you know, change in the biofilm of the skin um mm. that's uh, yeah i guess that's an important one to realize because sometimes we're aspiring to say youth but the skin is not the same you know the skin microbiome is not the same and you can't regenerate that you can't return to that time so we have to work out how to work with our current you know age-related skin changes um so that's a, a really you know sometimes just to help you to stop fighting uphill because um, yes. anyone who finds the fountain of youth we know will be the richest person on this planet but they haven't found it yet so <laughs> i know it's such a bit trying yeah uh, so talking about found of youth cosmetic industry right so you know another major player in your biofilm um mm. whether it's you know positively affected or negatively affected comes down to things like cosmetics your personal care products your makeup yes, what you course. put on the skin you know it directly affects the um, molecular microbiome diversity and it can shift the population so you know, if you're constantly and routinely putting you know high levels of chemical products on your body and this is why you'll hear us talk time and time again of you know low tox living how do you find products that are natural safe um, chemical free that are going to reduce damage to the body because most of the major brands that you can think of you know anything that ha- oh, should i name and shame like the estee lauders the elabashes like mm. all of these brands whilst they're big rich and famous um they are just filled with so many chemicals fillers mm-hmm. silicons pbas parabens like there's just so much stuff in them that although they may show you know short-term benefits on the skin when you look in the mirror um you know time has shown that through stress related age related change these chemicals take a negative effect in time so you know it might sort of sustain use for a period there but eventually we pay the price for chemical overload yeah, and that's not yeah. just on the skin, right? That's micro microbiome in the gut. Um, let's talk about, you know, <laughs> anything that's estrogenic in its effect as well. We get those huge, you know, effects um, on our gut, skin, brain, hormones. Uh, it's just all that huge interplay. So, again, I'm such a big fan of clean, clean, you know, beauty care products. Um, I don't have anything in my, my cupboard that's got any chemicals in it. I just will take you know the wrinkles over the future of harm to my body which could include things as down the line as cancer like it's you know yeah. that's scientifically supported now that we've got um established pathways of toxic load in the body over time so yeah. i don't want to really play on that that pathway if i can avoid it so as most people don't uh, realize the skin is a 
organ of absorption. What you put in goes in. Yeah. What absolutely. you put on goes in. Sorry. What you put on goes in. So I, if we, hmm. yeah, we always talk about it too, don't we, Andrew? If you wouldn't eat it, don't put it on your skin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. There used to be a company called Skin Food and it was exactly that. Like the only thing that went into their products was was stuff that you could like very safely eat, which I like. Um, mm. All right. Well, ladies, I think that's probably a good good time to wrap up there. Um, so we would love to hear from you, of course, and I forgot to talk about our social media sort of handles um, earlier, but uh, make sure that you are following us on social media. So we are the Wellness Women Official on Instagram, the, Wel- the Wellness Women on Facebook. You can find Ashley at Dr. Ashley Bond um, on everything and her social media rocks at the moment. I love it. Um, I am the Period Whisperer on Facebook and Dr. Andrea.xo on Instagram. Uh, if you've got anything that you would love to share with us in terms of um you know leaky skin syndrome what you've tried um maybe for some of those skin conditions um or if you do have some experience with topical probiotics we would love to hear from you so please um contact us through any of those channels and if there's a particular podcast topic that you would love for us to cover or some sort of um, funky symptoms or something along those lines, we, again, would love to hear from you um, and you can contact us on, on any of those mediums. So, ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.